Welcome to Let's Talk Death, conversations to inform and inspire. Let's Talk Death is being brought to you by Heal Grief, a nonprofit providing the tools and resources to support one's journey with grief. We seek to empower individuals to achieve a healthy post-bereavement growth. Everything we do is inspired by our core belief that no one should ever grieve alone. Let's Talk Death is a series of conversations with some amazing people from various fields. Our goal through these conversations is to normalize, educate, and demystify the taboo around death, dying, and the journey of grief. Hello, welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Death. I'm Fran Solomon. And I'm Andy McNeil. And we are thrilled to be your hosts for these conversations. Our guest today is Raymond Moody. Raymond is an MD with a PhD in philosophy focused on unintelligibility. Throughout his five-decade career, he has explored themes related to the transpersonal aspects of death, dying, and grief. Today, Raymond is known as the leading authority on near-death experiences. Founder of the Life After Life Institute in 1975, Raymond coined the term near-death experience, life after life, and has lectured on the topic worldwide. He's a counselor in private practice, and Raymond received his medical degree from the College of Georgia and his PhD from the University of Virginia. He has appeared on many programs, including Today and Turning Point. Raymond, we are delighted to have you as a guest on our show. Well, I am just, you know, beyond words. I mean, I just, I don't know how to thank you all for this. I mean, I just, and thank you so much for what you all do, because I've, you know, I've been a grief counselor for a long period of time. I mean, and honest to goodness, you all understand what I mean. Thank you for what you guys do. Thank you so much. Raymond, before we speak about your work, was there a personal experience that led your interest into the afterlife? Yeah, I've been pretty much motivated since I was a kid by curiosity. Astronomy at first, realizing at the age of seven that by looking through a telescope that I'd never know much of anything, which was okay. I mean, it's fun to try, right? But I did not grow up in a religious setting. My, it's for, my dad was... He was a medic in World War II in the Pacific Theater, enough said, right? And so he, uh, but I, I was just immune to that religious stuff. And the idea of an afterlife had never occurred to me. I, uh, I thought my a sense of it was that I learned from the cartoons about the angels and the gates. I, I, I thought it was literally a cartoon premise. And, um, so in my first year of college at UVA studying philosophy, I immediately fell in with the philosophy department. And just within the first few days of college, reading Plato's Republic, I discovered that the man who instantly became my hero, Plato, thought that this was a reality and was the most important question of existence. And that big, you know, that great book the republics come right down at the end it culminates in this rather startling near-death experience of a soldier who's believed dead but he says he got out of his body and he 
went through a passageway into another world. And I was startled by that. And I, and I remember asking Professor Hammond, what's this all about? All oh, these early Greek philosophers, they studied these things. Three years later, I happened to meet a Dr. George Ritchie, who had such an experience. I heard it from him. And it's then I, it just unfolded from there. I heard a lot of these as a philosophy professor. I heard them from my students and colleagues as a doctor even more so that's how it evolved and i i mean i'm certainly kind of i'm not my wiring is not set up to think about that there's an afterlife you know i mean to me this is very counterintuitive but where i've come is i I give up i I mean i can't i can't think my way out of it (laughs) <laughs> it's all it, it's it sounds like it really was more um uh you you were you heard people's testimonies on things that you that you couldn't uh that you couldn't discount or ignore uh as yeah. not part of the conversation about end of life that's right i've heard this from thousands of people and uh, you know that the the common way of thinking about this is is the argument that was started with Plato and Democritus, uh, and basically it's today it manifests as some people think, oh, this is indicator of an afterlife. Other people say today it's oxygen deprivation to the brain. That argument goes back 2,300 years. But I've never take that, taken that one seriously for two reasons. One having to do with the theory of mind in general, but, but also because I knew even when I was in medical school from one of my own professors that, uh, that people who at the bedside of the dying, who are not themselves ill or injured, have the same experience that when it occurs to somebody almost who almost dies and returns, we call the near-death experience. And all of these things you hear, like getting out of the body and uh, seeing a passageway, seeing apparitions of the deceased, uh, occur to be- people at the bedside sometimes say, yeah, as grandma died, I lifted out of my body and I went part way toward this light. Or or people say apparitions of the deceased's loved ones come into the room. Or, And even most incredibly, hold on to your hats. I've had people tell me that at the scene of the death of someone else, they empathically co-live the dying life review of the person who passes away, which is common in near-death experiences. People say that as they're dying, they say everything they've ever done is sort of panorama. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I know it's incredible, but it happens sometimes to the bystanders, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I give up. I, you know, I have medical friends who medical judgment I trust 100 percent. Dr. Evan Alexander, the neurosurgeon, or my, my friend, Dr. Anthony Chikori, a professor of orthopedic surgery, or uh, Dr. Um, uh, O'Driscoll, Jeff O'Driscoll, who's an emergency room physician, all have had just absolutely extraordinary near-death experiences or shared experiences with patients and the in the uh, in the emergency room, whatever. I, you know, they all tell me, yeah, not only is this real, it's more real than this ordinary waking reality. 
So how far into this journey or research were you before you became a believer of this as opposed to a researcher on the subject? I, I can't say that I am even now a believer. You know, people really, they use that word belief. I am, I like logic and epistemology. We're very, that's very vague, I believe. I don't know what they're talking about. It seems like some sort of active cohesion with others as well. In terms of to me, it's it's belief. I, I mean, to me, it's just it's given up. I, I mean, I can't think my way out. Now, in terms of the wonderful people that you serve in your group, it's this is the the touching issue here is bereavement and grief. You know, and and it's a natural thing that when people have lost a loved one, it's one of the common situations in which they turn to this question of life after death um people may go a whole lifetime through it and then often in their 50s or 60s they have a reflection period like i've been very successful in my life but what lies ahead or or people who've lost a loved one who are faced with terminal illness and what they want to know from all this is not what i can teach them as a professor of logic and philosophy of language and epistemology but they want to know it's like what what does this sort of come down to and folks it is that it looks to me i mean i gather that there is a life after death i think i think people want yeah. to know that death is not an ending um, yeah I, they do they do and, and it, not just for themselves but you know yeah. for their bereave you know for bereavement for, for love person. yeah for, for, for their person Let's Talk Death is being brought to you by Heal Grief, a 501c3. As a nonprofit, we are reliant on the kind generosity of our donors. If you are inspired by our mission, we ask you to go to healgrief.org backslash donations to help us continue our great work. No gift is too small. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I was with a with a group this last weekend, actually at a TAPS event, and uh, was presenting on um, on uh, dealing with difficult emotions after after uh, grief, and then also did a session on spirituality and grief, um, just talking about that component. and And it does seem to me that people want they want to believe those things. But here's what I've also witnessed, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen the same thing, is that even 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 if a person has a belief that there's an afterlife, they still grieve. It doesn't yeah. change yes. the pain of your loss. And that's, you know, one of the slides that I put up is, is that people with beliefs still grieve. That grief and belief so and coexist, you know. Again, I've sat with... Hundreds of people who are very religious or, or very spiritual or believe and they hurt. They have just as much pain as a person who doesn't. You know, it's very. And Andy, I've talked with literally thousands of people that are. I mean, this no exaggeration going back to 1965, who, you know, a cardiac arrest. They went over to the other side from their point of view and they are absolutely certain that there is a life after death. But guess what? When they lose a loved one, they go through grief too. And it's like they say, I've heard, you know, it's one guy years ago, he told me, you know, Raymond, this makes grief even 
worse. He said, because, you know, if you're just thinking of it in a religious term, oh, I'm not going to feel bad about grandma because I got my religious beliefs to hold on to. I mean, that's just kind of running away from the situation. And it's by rationalization, right? But this guy was saying, I can't rationalize anymore, right? Because I know, I mean, it's not a matter of, you know, some religion. It's a matter I've been there. But even then, people say it makes what this guy said, it makes grief even more acute because you can't use the just the re- religion thing as a as a shield or a way yeah. to get in around to. You have to face the feelings. So, yeah. And the feelings and the grief is really the 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 absence of one one's presence in in their life you know we have a saying here at heal grief the deeper the love the deeper the grief so that doesn't go away i think though that there is perhaps a a shift not that grief is lessened by any means but that there is perhaps a a shift when one might embrace the idea that death is not necessarily an ending yeah Um, there there's there's a little bit of comfort in there um, at least that's the experience that I've heard um, through the people that that we've worked with. Andy, would you disagree with that? Um, I, I don't. I don't disagree with it. I guess I'm. For me, I talk more about the degree of the pain, like the in the depth of pain, the depth of of loss. I just have not seen that belief replace that that depth. And I, and then I know people who you know are are professed to be atheists. And 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 they are dealing with their grief and coping in ways that sometimes people who have strong beliefs about the afterlife don't have, you know. So I I, I think I've seen the the gamut of it, and um, I'm not discounting that uh, a belief in the afterlife um, is something that can be helpful and sustaining to someone in their life. In their, but it does not discount their ability to be in pain and or to even make choices that cause them to suffer further in their grief. Uh, exactly. You know, it's, it's, you know, it can be used as a way of rationalization that did not. And it's the way I say everybody goes through grief in a, lo- in a loss. It's just universal. And yeah. there is a way of using religion as a way not to face those feelings. Yeah. Raymond, or, or to experience or to experience guilt because you feel like if I if I really believed this, I wouldn't feel so bad. You know, I've, I've heard that as well, where people kind of beat themselves up a little bit because they are grieving because I, I shouldn't grieve. That means I, I maybe I really don't believe if I if I grieve. Yeah. yeah, it's very complex. I'm so glad my parents didn't inflict that stuff on me. I tell you, I felt I mean, I'm not against God. I tell you, I talk to God every day, but never said a word to me about religion so you know i just raymond let's talk about your most recent book proof of life after life Mm -hmm. seven reasons to believe in the afterlife yeah well that comes from a lot it's a startling title right proof of life Mm -hmm. and and i say that very advisedly the publishers suggested that title and i got to thinking and i say okay i'm ready at age 79 to say that as long as i can say the background information that i was professor of logic 
I know the history of the notion of proof. I know how the notion of proof developed in philosophy and Western thought. And, and what I've found in the years that people come to me and they ask me all the time, Raymond, do you have any proof? Or, but these people are, are, have lost a loved one, right, or are facing terminal illness themselves. And so I quickly found that if I start talking about, well, Aristotle said this, and Gödel had the incompleteness theorem, and proof is this and that, you know, it doesn't help people. But they want that word proof. They really, people want to know. And so what I've come up with, I can say, with feeling and, you know, complete confidence is that it is for folks who are wondering and, and you know, their fear and, and so on. And, and worrying about where their deceased loved ones were. Well, I can save them like 50-something years of thinking about this and trying every way I can to think my way out of it is that, yeah, I gather there is an afterlife and that it is a rational thing for somebody to expect that there is. And so don't, if, you know, you're inclined to think that, don't let people knock you down on the basis of some it is like my thought after all these years is that oh my goodness the the sins and it still starts and it gives us even more reason and inspiration i think to go on living here because the folks over the years who've attempted suicide and then had a near-death experience have universally said you know it's looking back they would people say i would never attempt it again not that they felt like they were going to go into some sort of hell, but rather that they learned that, you know, even in when, when times are tough, that there is a, a meaning to go on living. Well, uh, Raymond, we're actually close to the end of our time. It's funny how quick the conversations go. Yeah. And this has been a very, very good one. I, I, I was looking forward to it and, and it uh, the conversation did not let me down. Um, but. Okay. Uh, before we before we end our time together, uh, our, our viewers often want to know how they can connect with our guests. And um, if someone wanted to connect with you or your work or your your books, how, how would they go about doing that? Well, my website is lifeafterlife.com. And there's ways to get in touch with me on there. And uh, the new book, as you mentioned, is Proof of Life After Life. It just came out with Simon & Schuster. And in terms of the folks listening in, I mean, I just want to say, oh, yeah, I've been through through there where you are, too. I lost my first child at 1970, age of 36. You never get over it, but it's, life is a process. You know, you grow bigger around the grief. It's our process to describe. But thank you, folks, for listening in. And I hope you know, something I've said today has been helpful to you. Raymond, thank you so much for being a guest here at Let's Talk Death and for sharing your journey and the inspiration um, behind your work. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about Heal Grief, visit us at HealGrief.org to find other conversations or to inquire about becoming a guest speaker. Visit us at HealGrief.org backslash Let's Talk Death. And if you feel inspired to support us, Remember, no gift is too small. Visit us at healgrief.org backslash donations, or you can donate right through our homepage. Well, that's it until next time on Let's Talk Death. 
where we normalize, educate, and demystify the taboo around death, dying, and the journey of grief.